Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. I don't think he saw all those things in Peter at all. He probably knew all those things were there because that's the way that culture was in that day. I think what he saw, it's my hunch, that he saw into Peter and he knew that Peter was longing for something different. That Peter was longing to step into his new you. That Peter was willing to find himself and he knew this wasn't it. That this this was just handed down to him by his family. That this was something that was just expected of him. That he was to take over the family business. He was the younger, or he was the oldest son and so it was just expected. You come in and you take over the business and that's what he did. But there was something on the inside of him that says there has to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. There has to be more. And the reason why I believe that Jesus saw something more in him, the reason why I believe that there was something going on into Peter's life, because why else would he be willing to leave his identity, his culture, his family, his friends, his status in society and all that he knew to go follow a man who was untried and untrued at the time and nobody knew him. Why? Because he was trying to find that new you that was on the inside of him. So let me just ask you, what would you be willing to do to find the new you that's on the inside of you? That redemptive potential that's on the inside of every single one of us. That person that God created in us through his spirit that indwells each and every one of us. That that life that we're not yet living. Because see, this is week three. And I know how series work. We go into series, we come out of series, and, and maybe we're looking forward to the next series because this one's not resonating or we're not taking it quite as serious as we should. And this is week three. So what are you willing to do? Are you applying what you're learning? Are you applying what God is doing in your life, because the reason this series, God's put it in our heart to do it is because I believe that God wants us to step into a new season. I believe he wants us to do new things. I believe that God wants you to find your new you, your new identity in Christ, and so that you can reach your redemptive potential and allow your purposes and his purposes to find each other, to coalesce, so that you can find satisfaction in this world, true fulfillment. We've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing to step out of maybe our comfort zones just a little bit. Now listen, I'm not telling you to go in tomorrow and quit your job. I, I, I don't want a bunch of employers calling me going, are you the pastor that's telling half my staff to come in here? And I'm not, no, no, I'm not that guy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go home and say, honey, I know we've been married for so many years, but I'm taking a three-year hiatus just like Peter did. I'm gonna go find Jesus. I'm not telling you to do that either. I'm not telling you to be, disres- be you know, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying... I think that there, has, there was something inside of Peter that was a hunger. I think there was something in Peter that he was desperate for a change in his life. And I'm just wondering in this land of plenty if there's a actual desperation on the inside of us. A desperation that says, God, I wanna be all that you want me to be. I wanna be everything that you've created me. I wanna do everything that you've set before me to do. I want every single one of your purposes to be made complete in my life. I want your perfect will to be done in my life. I want the new you to be active and alive inside of me. I think that calls for some amount of desperation. See, it's on the screen now, but here's what I know, and here's what I know. This new you, this new you, God is looking for a new you, and it begins with a new 
attitude. It begins with a new attitude. If you're going to find your new you, then you're going to have to find a new attitude. You've got to find a new attitude. I'm going to go back to Peter's life for just a moment before I move on. But as one of the first followers of Jesus, he would have been there when Jesus had his very first sermon, that famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. You guys know it. And he would have been there and he would have heard. Now, this is his first sermon that he's hearing from Jesus. This is the first recorded message that Jesus got up to start his public ministry. And he begins to say, he begins to say every line by this. He, you know it. He said what? He said, blessed are those. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You know what blessed means? The word blessed can be interpreted as happy, a mindset, or an attitude. And so I just took that definition and I rewrote Matthew chapter 5. And I don't mean to discredit scripture at all. I wanted to bring it alive to us just a little bit. And, and, and every one of those, those things that Jesus was talking about, it could be read like this, that if you're poor in spirit, with the right mindset and the right attitude, you'll receive the kingdom of heaven. For those who are mourning, with the right mindset and the right attitude, you'll be comforted. That's why some people go through seasons where they've maybe experienced loss, and some people are comforted, maybe some people aren't comforted. Maybe they've never found the right mindset, they've never found the right attitude as they're going through it. Does this make sense? Yeah. And for those who are meek, if you have the right attitude and the right mindset, he said, you will inherit the earth. And for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, with the right mindset and the right attitude, you'll be filled. For those of you who are merciful with the right attitude, you will be shown mercy. How do you know that, how do you know that it takes the right attitude for someone to show mercy to you? Yeah. Yeah. Right? You don't walk in and go, I'm I belong here. I'm deserving of this. You don't walk in with a sense of entitlement and have people want to show you mercy. It takes the right attitude. Doesn't matter whether you're deserving of it or not. You have the wrong attitude. People aren't going to be willing to do something for you. Is this not right? He said, if you have the right mindset, the right attitude, if you, if you want to, then you're going to be shown mercy. Those of you who are pure in heart and possess the right attitude or mindset, he said, you'll see God. For those of you that have the right attitude or mindset of being a peacemaker, you'll be called the sons of God. And for those of you who are persecuted because of righteousness or, fault, or if false or evil things are said to you or even about you, maintain the right mindset and attitude. And by rejoicing and by being glad, he tells us how we can even do that. Because great is your reward in heaven. No wonder why Jesus started off with a mindset or with an attitude. You know, Scripture says that we're to have the same attitude as found in Christ Jesus, or the same mindset that's found in Christ Jesus. Did you know that the Bible also says that each and every one of us, that if we pursue it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we can actually have the mind of Christ? What? That's what Scripture says. And that's what I'm talking about with the new you and this new attitude. We're going to have to pursue it with all that is within us. We have to say that there's something better for us. There's something more for us. That God has something more for us that we're going to pursue so that we can have the very mind of Christ. We can have the mindset that Jesus had when he walked this earth. Yeah. And Peter said, you know what? That man seems to have nothing, but he seems to have everything. I'm going to follow after him. And it's the same way today. 
If we'll follow after him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, we'll develop an attitude or a mindset like Christ, and we will be able, no matter what we go through, we'll be able to come through the other side saying that God is faithful, and God is there, and God has never forsaken me, and God has been with me, and God has shown his grace, and God has shown his mercy, and God has shown his love. That's the God that we have, and everybody's going to look at you and go, how can you say that based upon what you've gone through? We say, because God's with us. God is with us. So again, I just want to say, are you ready? Are you desperate for, are you willing to pursue some of these things in your life so that you can have the right attitude, the attitude of Christ in your life? Because you've heard it said that attitude's the little thing that makes the biggest difference. It is so true. Why focus on attitude? Well, the reason I want to focus on attitude to find your new you is because so his attitude is probably the most important characteristic that you have in your life outside of your relationship with Christ. It's the most important characteristic in your life. Your attitude will either open doors or shut doors. Your attitude will either bring God's blessing or not. Your attitude will either give you favor with people or not. And the other thing I know about attitude is this, is that most people, if they have a bad attitude, they don't know how to get from a bad attitude to a, to a good attitude. There's Christians that are in church their entire life and they look like they've been sucking on lemons. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, their face is all wrinkled up and they're just worried, you know, and they're always being, you know, something's always bad going on in their life. Come on. We don't know how to move from a bad attitude to regain a good attitude. Here's on the screen. This is kind of a big idea moment. Write this down. But maintaining the right attitude is easier than regaining a right attitude. Hmm. I'm going to say it again, maintaining the right attitude, doing something every day, maintenance is required. Maintaining a right attitude is a lot easier than regaining a right attitude. If you allowed yourself to slip away from the right attitude or the wrong, or wrong and fall into a wrong mindset, it's going to be harder for you to dig yourself out of that. It's not impossible, but it's harder. You need to learn to maintain the right attitude. So now... On the screen, regaining the right attitude. Number one is this. Let me just give you a few points. You need to resist the enemy's temptation to have a bad attitude. I mean, who wants you to have a bad attitude? The enemy. Why? He wants to discredit your witness. He wants to discredit your testimony. Right? I mean, one of the things that spoke to my heart so deeply when before I was a Christian was when I walked into a church and people raised their hands and smiles on their faces and the joy of the Lord was evident. I went, I don't have that. It wasn't what the pastor said. I mean, now that I'm a pastor, I wish that everything I said would just hit you like a ton of bricks and you'd follow every word. Your life would be better if you did, amen, I'm just saying. <laughs> Only if it's God's word. Only if it's God's word, I'm not gonna take credit. But it wasn't that, it wasn't the, wasn't the words of a pastor, it was, it was the expressions of joy on people's faces. It was what was coming, it was what the atmosphere that was in the room because people were encountering Christ, because they were entering in, because there was the touch of heaven and the touch of God that was there. You see, if you come in and, and we have a bad attitude and you're just like, ah. you don't worship. You go to work and you declare, I'm a Christian. Bless God. You're going to hell, but I'm not. Right? 
I mean, who wants to follow that? Like people go, if people look at you and go, I don't want that, then something's wrong, <laughs> right? I mean, God should have done something so deep and so profound in our life. My life went 180 degrees the opposite direction. Somebody was preaching not long ago and they got so excited, they go, my life turned 360 degrees. I went, wait a minute, I think you're going, to, you think you mean 180, right? One, my life went a completely different direction when Jesus came into my life. I, when, I worked, when I worked in the summers at a factory, and I was making good money, and I was working hard. I went. It was hard, hard work. It was hot and on assembly line, but I was making enough money to almost pay my entire school bill so I could go back to school, and I could continue to play sports. And, and I was in there. They said, we, don't, we try to come up with a nickname for everybody. We can't come up with a nickname for you. I said, uh, why not? I want a nickname. I want to be in the club. Everybody's got a nickname. By that time, I'd known everybody's nickname on the whole factory. I mean, everybody, you know, that's that guy. You know. But I'm just Brian. I go, why can't I get a nickname? They said, because you don't do anything wrong. So a guy says, I'm just going to call you Smiley because you're smiling all the time. And I said, I love it. Just call me Smiley. Hey, Smiley. And you know what it did? It made everybody in the room smile after somebody would call me that. And it was just my little way of saying, okay, I gotta go to work every day with the right attitude. I can't destroy my testimony or my witness or the words of my mouth because of my attitude. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 in the Amplified, it says this. It says, your enemy, this, I love how it starts this. That enemy of yours, it's not my enemies that I got under control, but that enemy of yours the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry. This enemy is very real that we face, and he, he prowls around fiercely hungry for the souls of Christians. Think about it. If you're a non-Christian, he, he, he's already got you. He just passed the non-Christian by. He's looking for Christians. He's fiercely hungry to feast on these Christians, seeking someone he may devour. He said, but resist him and be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted in Christ, I added, established in his word, immovable in faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by brothers and sisters throughout the world, for you do not suffer a alone. You're gonna to have to resist that the enemy is working against you. He says, resist him. Paul says, resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. Don't play with him. Don't play around with him. Don't succumb to his temptations. Don't succumb to the, your weaknesses, but resist the enemy and he will, come on, say it out loud. He will He will flee. That's what the word of God says. Number two, realize that this too shall pass. My mom's favorite expression. I'd come home, you wouldn't believe what happened to me at school. This too shall pass. That's not what I wanted to hear. We, were, we would rather hear somebody that had a sympathetic ear, right? Or empathetic ear. We'd say, come here, honey. I'm so sorry they mistreated you. That never happened. 
My mom is just, this too shall pass. She's trying to make me tough and strong. This too shall pass. But it's a great reminder that, guess what? This too shall pass. That it's not going to be here forever. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and tomorrow will be a new day. And God has new things in store to do this day. And just what happened yesterday doesn't have to be repeated today. And if it goes on for a series of days, guess what? It's still going to pass. That we don't have to live this way forever, that the promises of God are still yea and amen to them that believe that God has something far greater in our future than we can ever know and experience in our todays. That this too shall pass. Paul called all of his persecutions, he called them all in trials, light and momentary afflictions. Now, I know this church pretty well, and I know your lives by now pretty well after 10 years for most of you, and I don't think any of you have gone through what Paul went through. I don't think any of you have been walking around naked. I don't think any of you have been shipwrecked, left for dead. I mean, we have a harbor. It might have happened, but I don't know that story. I don't think any of you have been in prison for your faith. I don't know. But Paul went through all these things, and he went, you know what all those were? You know what all those things were? Yeah, I was in prison for months. Yeah, yeah, I was shipwrecked, left for dead. Yeah, I was treading water until, yeah, 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 I didn't have food for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? He said, don't, those things, those things. You want me to talk about those things? Those are light and momentary afflictions. They're nothing compared to the purposes of God working in my life. This too shall pass. A rule to live by is this. If it doesn't affect eternity, then don't spend too much time worrying about it. If it doesn't affect eternity in your life, then it's just not worth spending any kind of emotional capital on it at all, or maybe even some, you know, some some brain cells thinking about it too long. If it doesn't affect eternity, then just, hey, you know what? This too shall pass. God's got it. I'm moving on. Number three is keep life in proper perspective. Oh, how quick we can get life out of perspective. Someone always, listen, somebody always has it worse than you do, Right? I mean, if you want the right perspective, just pause a moment, take a deep breath and go, this is really bad. What I'm going through right now is difficult for me and it might be difficult for my family, but guess what? Somebody's got it worse than I do. Right, have you ever gotten around people, like, you know, you've ever got around somebody and they start sharing a story and somebody goes, well, I got one worse than that. (laughs) Right, have you ever been the first one to tell the story and you wish you were the last one? Right, because somebody's always got a worse story than you. They, it's like the trump card. Well, I can beat that. My story's way worse than yours. You know, that's the way it is in life. Somebody's always got it worse than we do. You want to keep life in perspective? Then know this, is that you can always give back to somebody in need. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you can always give an encouraging word. You can always build somebody up. You can always, you can always lift somebody up. You can always pray for somebody. You can always go serve somebody. You can always go use your time. You can always go use your talent. You can always go and take, this, take those things to somebody in need. And I'll tell you, your perspective will immediately change. You can, you, we have to learn to see obstacles as opportunities. There was this, you know, we talked about the new season. There's this water, body of water, the Red Sea in front of them. It was an obstacle. But God knew it was going to be an opportunity. Not just an opportunity to get them through to the other side. It was also an opportunity to destroy the enemy that was following them. 
And how many times that we, how many times when we see an obstacle that we begin to run away from it? In fact, we're really good because we're Christians. We can spiritualize it, can't we? As soon as an obstacle comes, we either go, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to leave now, flee. And it doesn't flee, and we go, then it's not from God. And we start going this way, <laughs> right? And God says, listen, that that obstacle that's placed before you is not only going to be an opportunity for you, but I'm going to use it to destroy the very enemies that are chasing you. I look at Scripture and Paul, that's the way his attitude was. Paul's like, oh, you're going to throw me in prison? I'll just write half the New Testament. I don't have a problem. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah. Martin Luther, they chained him up, put him in a castle. He's like, all right, I'll just translate the Bible so everybody can read it. That's not a problem. Ludwig von Beethoven was going through an incredible crisis in his own life, and he wrote, and he was almost completely deaf, he wrote one of the greatest symphonies that's ever been known to man. Obstacles are opportunities. Number four, keep your regular time with God in his word. If you're gonna have the right attitude, you're gonna have to spend time with God in his word. I'm just gonna give you three quick more things, and we're gonna be finished. I know it's a little more teaching than last week, but some, you know, that's why you do series. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16. Paul's writing to the church. He says, rejoice always. Say rejoice. rejoice. Always. always. Pray. Pray. Continually. Continually. Give thanks. Pray. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I don't know, I'm sick, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is. Let me tell you this morning. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, verse 20, and do not treat prophecies with content, but test them all and hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So how, what are you going to do? Yeah, what's, what would Paul tell us if he's saying, I want, you to, I want you to have a great attitude? What would he tell us this morning? First, first thing on the screen is keep the spirit of enthusiasm. Keep a spirit of enthusiasm. It's amazing that when I look at this, didn't he say this? He said this, keep a spirit of enthusiasm. When you look at this, he said, rejoice always. You know, the word enthusiasm in the original Greek language means this. It means God in us. If you've got God in you, then you should be able to tap into something that helps you become Enthusiastic. If God is in you, then you're, there's got to be something that God is doing on the inside of you that God wants to reveal to you, some truth that's found in God's scripture, something that's going on in your life, that you get enthusiastic about it. People say, oh, pastor, one of the things I like about you, you get up there, you get so excited. That's because I'm excited about God. I'm excited about God, what God wants to do. I'm excited about how God wants to reach people. I'm excited about the things about. I'm excited what he's doing in your life, and I'm excited about what God's doing in this church, and through this church to help reach our community. I'm excited. I can't help it. Some people are like, well, why do you gotta get so loud for? I don't know, I'm excited. I don't know how to get excited and be quiet. I don't know how to do that. And you should be excited about what God's in your life. Get connected to the power source and get electric, get excited. When you go to work tomorrow, don't be one of those Christians to walk in and go, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, walk in and go, we had a great service yesterday. Even if you have to do it by faith, just do it by faith, amen. That was a joke, you missed it, but anyway. So you walk in and you have some kind of enthusiasm about your life. 
I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my church. I love we get to live in the United States of America. I'm enthusiastic about what God's doing. You can be enthusiastic because you've got God inside of you. you be joyful always. And do not put out the Spirit's fire. That's what it means. You know, we, 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 we use that term for so many other, but we put it in context here to what's going on. He says, if you stay connected with God and the Spirit is doing something in you, you have the ability to quench it and kind of, you know, be that kind of Christian. Or you got the ability to go through life and no matter what circumstance is being thrown in, you got the ability to go through life and go, God's with me. And like people look at you and go, really? Yeah. It's like this is a difficult time in your family. Yes, it is, but God is with me, and God is faithful, and God's word will come to pass, and I'm believing God. The word of God is yea and amen to them that believe, and I'm holding on, and God's going to see me through. And even though I'm in the valley, there is a, win- there's a victory that's a coming. See, we don't live our lives that way. That's a life that's worthy of being followed. That's a life where somebody looks at you and says, I want to follow that. I want to go where you're going. I want to be a part of what you're being a part of. I want to do that. That's what it is. Number two is welcome life positively. Welcome life positively. So when my life's not very positive, we'll change your attitude. Huh? You say, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yes, I do. But you either, are, you either tend to be pessimistic or optimistic. You get to choose. What are you going to choose today? See, you don't, know, you don't know me. You just see me up here. And even though my outlook is almost always positive, I only see things as the glass is half you know, full, it's not ever half empty. I always see the silver lying in every cloud. I'm always solution-oriented. I'm always moving forward. But what you don't know is that I fight my attitude every day. And I have to get up, and there's sometimes I have to stop in the middle of my day, and I have to say, what is wrong with your stinking attitude? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm having these conversations with myself. And if somebody walked in, they were, I mean, they were going to call the authorities. You know what I'm saying? So i got to have it when the door's shut and in the car by myself. And I'm, well, change your attitude. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to meditate on the word of God. I'm going to meditate on the promises. I'm going to start singing praises unto God like Marnie was encouraged today. That, when we sing hallelujahs, that is a, something we're taking into battle. That's a weapon. You tend to be either optimistic or pessimistic. What are you? There's a story of a family. They had two twins. As they grew up, one was more pessimistic and one was more optimistic. And he, uh, for their birthday came along and the dad went out. And for the one who was pessimistic, he, while they were at school, he filled the room with toys and games and candy and all the things that kids would want for their birthday. Later on that night, he went by that kid's room and that kid was in there and, and he was crying. In the middle of all these toys and all the middle of these things, he was in there sobbing and his dad said, son, what's wrong? He said, I'm gonna have to open every one of these boxes. I'm gonna have to read all the directions and know how to play every one of these games. My friends are probably gonna be jealous. They'll come over, they're gonna break half of them. I'll lose the pieces. His dad just shook his head and walked on down the hallway. To the optimist son, he, he'd filled his room with horse manure. So he looked in there as he got to the doorway. And you know what he saw? The son was jumping around and dancing and he was overturning and he was shoveling it around. And 
He said, son, what are you doing? He said, dad, with all this manure in here, there's gotta be a pony hidden somewhere. I'm finding the pony, amen. It's a matter of perspective. Some of you are worried about reading all the directions when you should be looking for the pony. I'm just saying one last thing. And I'm gonna let you put this to practice before we leave. Exhibit a thankful heart. Give thanks. What's it say? In all circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I know what God's word says the antidote is for it is to give thanks. So well, I, I, I can't hardly do that. You, you, Pastor, it's so bleak in our world right now, in our situation right now. You don't understand? No, no. I, I get all that. In fact, I've been there. I've been there when I've been laid off, when I went down to the welfare office, when I signed up for an appointment. I've been there with you. I've been there when you walked in and you didn't know where you're gonna get your next meal. I know what it was like to not eat for a week so I could buy Christmas presents for my mom and dad and my sister. I know what it's like. See, you don't, you don't know my story. I know what it's like. But I also know when I got in the car to drive from Terre Haute to Frankfurt so I could go celebrate Christmas with my family, that I had praise tapes going in my car the whole time there. And I decided I was gonna worship God whether I had a lot or whether I had nothing that God was gonna be my God regardless of my circumstances, that I was gonna give thanks to God for what I did have. And you know what God did? He took my circumstances, and because I gave thanks, and because I, I, I believe that because I opened up my heart to God, because I said, God, you're gonna be first, and I'm not gonna worship you whether I have something or whether I don't have anything. Come on now. See, some Christians are great at worshiping God when they've got everything going for them. When God just gave them a blessing, when they just got that new raise, they got the new car they drive up on Sunday, when the new house and the keys have been handed to them and they walk through, they go, oh, God's good. Praise the Lord. Look what the Lord has done. And then when you lose that job, you walk out of there and you're cursing God. God, I thought you gave me this job. Maybe he did, but maybe he took it away because it was becoming, becoming something that it shouldn't be in your life. Is becoming an idol that was keeping you from really keeping things in the right place. Come on now. He says, give thanks in what? All circumstances. So I don't know what your circumstances, but I do know what the word of God says. The one way to combat that is that we are to just give thanks. So can you, can you stand to your feet with me? Just We saved a few minutes here at the end so we could do this. And without a song, they're gonna play quietly and they're gonna go into song just a minute, but but I want you to close your eyes right now and would you begin to think in your mind all the things that you need to give God thanks for. Maybe things you haven't given God thanks for for years or months or weeks. You thank God that you're here this morning and you're able to hear his word you're able to worship him. You can just thank God that you're able right now to give thanks to God because God is here and God knows your heart. You can give thanks to God because you've been able to worship him in spirit and truth. You can give thanks to God because you have a church that loves you. You can give thanks to God because you have a pastor and a staff who care about you and preach God's word to you. You can give thanks to God for the musicians and all the people that are serving all across this campus today for free, serving and using their gifts and their talents to minister many of them to your own kids and grandkids. You can give thanks to God that you 
if for those of you that applies, you have a spouse or you have children or grandchildren. You give thanks to God that you're breathing, that you're here this morning. You can give thanks to God for a job that he's provided for you, that you have money, maybe not as much as you want. Amen, I know. You can give thanks to God that you drove here in something. So, well, it's not a new vehicle. Well, be grateful for what you have. Be thankful in all circumstances. Can you just right now give thanks to God? I've tried to help you, give you a lot of options. Come on, you use your mouth. Out of your heart, you give your thanksgiving to God right now. Come on, right now. All over this place, come on, lift your voice. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that indwells us. Thank you that even though I wasn't worthy, you forgave me of my sin and counted me worthy to be in the ministry. Thank you, God. The call of God that's on our life. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for placing me in your family. Thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that I was the first thought on your mind when I woke up this morning. Thank you that you rejoice over me each and every day. Thank you that even when my faith flickers, that your faith does not, you're faithful. It's your name, you're faithful, you are the Lord of hosts. Thank you for your healing power that I've experienced in my life. For the freedom and the deliverance that you gave me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the many times where I was heading the wrong direction, but you caused a, a stirring or you caused something to change my course and my direction. Thank you, God, for my family and my friends. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my sister and all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for this life that you've given me. Thank you that I have health. Thank you that you've given me, according to Deuteronomy 28, the ability to generate wealth. Thank you for the creative ideas that you place within me. Thank you for watching over me. Thank you for your safety and security. Thank you for your provision and grace. Thank you for three incredible sons, God, that you've blessed me with. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my church family. My love, God, with all of my heart. Thank you, God, for placing us right here in the middle of San Diego to make a difference. Thank you, God, for our heart, for the community, for the people's lives that are being touched and transformed. Thank you for the testimonies of people coming to Christ. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.